This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. It is the after party, but it's not live. It's a live. It's not it's a live. live. No, it's not live today. How can it be the after party live? Is it dead? Well, it was, it was, what do they say that when it was taped live before like studio, studio audience, but they say like it was taped live earlier. Oh you know, yeah. Pre-recorded or whatever. Yeah, pre-recorded. Yeah. It is pre-recorded, pre-recorded not in front of a live audience, although you're live and you're here and you're chit-chatting. So well, welcome Archie to the after party somewhere live. behind me somewhere. In front oh, of me. he's live. So yeah, we have a live audience. You have kids, kids rolling around here. You know, it is. Yeah. 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 Well, that. Um. Sorry, my no, bad. I was just, I was just gonna say, I'm, I'm at the Monterey Bay Aquarium right now. Currently, oh, I'm probably standing in front of the jellyfish, watching them undulate and and fly through the water. Is that what I, jellyfish do? They undulate. I guess they. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's you do a good jellyfish. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty good. I, that uh, was actually worth time. it. Yeah, it's feeding time. Um, but, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm in the chat right now, and you are at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I am. I am at the aquarium. Um, but thank you for being here anyway. We have a lot of great stories. Some stories that I'm sorry I'm not going to be here to see your chat. So I'll probably log in later and and watch it all when the kids are asleep. But let's talk about this bear, who is a bear of my heart. Uh oh. This bear this breaks bear into a Florida home to steal chocolates. I get get behind that. I can get. Behind, I understand it, right? Like I can yeah, totally yeah. get behind this. It's a crime yeah. of passion. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crime of, and need and want yeah. desire. Uh, this bear broke into this woman's car in Florida. Was it on Valentine's Day? It was a Valentine's Day caper. It was indeed. Oh. It was a romantic surprise. The chocolates were supposed to be a romantic surprise. And she had purchased them to give to her boyfriend. She put the chocolate, this woman, in the front seat of her car. Oh, I thought he bought the chocolate. I thought the boyfriend left the chocolate in the car. You know what? Oh, you're sorry. Cor- you're, you're correct. Oh, I was going to say no questions. But you're not supposed hesitation. to. You're not <laughs> supposed. But in this case, your correction was warranted. Because it is indeed true. The facts well, yeah, of the story are. I, I prepped the video and it, it conflicted with what you he said. He put so. the chocolates on the front seat of the car. Who put the chocolates in the chocolate seat? Who, me? Yes, you. <laughs> yes, you. So he puts the chocolate on the front seat of, of her car to surprise her. Got it. Got it. Now that and we have the poor facts bear straight. Is, this bear is probably celebrating Galentine's. You know, the, I, don't, this... I don't need a man. <laughs> I, I can get my own chocolate. This all happened at the Golden Gate Estates. So Cassidy is her name. She wakes up on Valentine's Day to find the inside of her car ripped to utter shreds. This hungry bear has just done a number on her car. She said, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and my boyfriend was like, something's gotten into the car. It looks like a bear got in here. Uh, she said the bear just tore up the side. Uh, there she are said, so many bears in Florida. Because when I think Florida, I don't think bears. I, I think like I think, I think gators. like meth head. Yeah, gators, meth heads. <laughs> Maybe iguanas. Yeah, but manatees. Ba- uh, flamingos, even. Yeah. Bears? Yeah. No. Anyway, we have video of this. Let's take a look at this ruined car. He totally like tore the whole front of the um, passenger side up. Basically, the whole door panel. Um, huh. 
I can't even open the door at all or roll the windows down, nothing. So she woke up Valentine's Day morning to this mess outside her Naples home. And when she took a closer look, she realized that her car had fallen victim to a bear overnight. It turns out the hungry animal was probably trying to get to candy that her boyfriend had left for her on the front seat. Blame everything on the boyfriend. Well, had you not bought that candy? You know, he left it in the front seat. <laughs> mm -hmm. What else was left in the car that the doors were ripped off? Right. The headrest. What mm -hmm. else are you hiding in that car, sir? I mean, if there's if there's children, there's probably <laughs> God knows what. Oh, crumbs in there. everywhere. Yeah. 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 Touche. Right. Touché. So Cheerios, goldfish, raisins, you name it. <laughs> Make a meal. You really can. Yeah. A little smorgas, a little charcuterie board. <laughs> That's actually the best news chit chat that I've, I've ever heard. You could see why I left it on because at oh, first I was going to cut it and then I no. heard it. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to leave it. What was he trying I, to get at? Like, what else do you have in the car, sir? Did I, you think is he, he trying to accuse the guy of being a criminal? I'm like, you're going a well, step overboard. Florida. OK, I'm a little <laughs> maybe Wes can tell me in the chat right now, but like, I'm ignorant of the geography of, of some parts of Florida. I thought it was all pretty like flat and like swamps and like beach. Mm -hmm. There are bears like Naples would be like the the Gulf Coast, right? Like the the west coast of Florida. The Gulf so, Gulf Coast? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did I say it wrong? I it sounded like golf, like people were playing oh, golf. Oh, golf. Uh, golf. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Ken. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I heard that differently <laughs> than you said it. Well, um, it's also uh, the Gulf yeah. Coast would be uh, where, <laughs> where they Trump play the golf. Would yeah. be where Trump lives. <laughs> That's right. Mar-a-Lago. Um, yeah, so, um, <laughs> but I, 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 I was surprised that there are bears like on the coast of Florida. So, um, I'll have to, maybe Wes can, uh, well, we've seen the that. bears break. We've done stories where bears are breaking into houses and all kinds of things. I yeah. guess I just didn't realize bears were such an issue. Yeah. Um, they're be I just, you know what I mean? I think swamps, I don't think yeah. bears, like, uh, do the bears live in they're, these? They're beach bears. And the beach bears, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, different, anyway. whole different type of breed. They're totally beach some, bears. You, you learn something yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, this next story is kind of <laughs> cute. I know, I know you appreciate this one. Um, this is about a fox. So we're going from the bear to the fox. Okay. A curious fox steals an animal rescuer's phone and takes a selfie video. So this is the British equivalent of the ASPCA. This is the RSPCA. Yeah. So an officer with them in Britain set up his phone to film an animal rescue. But a curious fox snatched the device and ran away with it while he was still recording. Animal rescue officer Ben Fitzcosta said he responded to a wooded area in Bagshot, you know where that is, on a report of a fox <laughs> with an injured leg. Fitzcosta located uh, what he believed to be the injured fox and set up his phone to record uh, the video of the capture. And you want to see it? Yes. Okay, then I will play. Here it is. So he's sending up the camera. You can see the fox, and the fox approaches slowly and sniffs the camera, and he's off. He's off. How he cute is that? He took the camera. Turns out there were actually two foxes, and one was injured. Oh, no. He's like looking around, looking around. Yeah, he's like sniffing. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Around, drops the phone. Looks at it. Oh, that's so funny. Cute, right? And then uh, he takes off. <laughs> oh and the human God. approaches. 
I wonder oh if there are little bite believe. marks on his phone. That's yeah, really he said, funny. Oh my god, I can't believe what just happened. Um, it did make my day, to be honest. The video is very funny. Uh, the, this uh, employee says, I'm, I'm glad I got my phone back. I had to jog to catch up with him as I knew he'd dump it in a bush somewhere. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he it would have been funnier asked, if he had then, if the fox had then picked the phone back up and kept running and run the other direction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he did find the injured fox and managed to rescue her, the second fox. Oh, so, that's and, cool. and that fox is now being treated at a wildlife rescue uh, with an inflamed leg from an old injury. And uh, it looks like the fox will recover. Yeah, that's awesome. A great video. There is an island, it's called Sable Island. And this is where there's a very odd pairing. Wild horses and gray seals. They mingle on Sable Island. Every winter, there's about half a million gray seals that gather on this remote sandbar, it's called Sable Island. It's about 200 miles off the coast of Nova Scotia. And so the seals gather, they're resting, they're molting, they're having their babies, um, they're breeding as well. And they don't face a lot of predators on this island, which is why they hang out here. But they do mingle with some wild horses that have roamed free on the island for a really long time. And so, uh, biologists, marine biologists, are spending time here now on this sandbar on this island, studying the seals. Um, and they're kind of loving this weird combination of wild horses and gray seals. Uh, the population of gray seals on Sable Island has exploded in recent decades, but they say 90% of the pups die during their first year. Whoa, and what? They, yeah. What percentage? 90%. They don't make it. Wow. Did they say why? They think it's because of an, an increased competition for food because there's so many of them. Oh, because because there's just, no predators. Yeah, because there's no predators and they breed and they breed. And so. Well, I'm just glad it's not the horses. Yeah, I know. They, those are cute horses. They are. They're kind of little, huh? They're kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so they're still working, they're researching, they're trying to figure this whole thing out. But this is just kind of a, a really cool aside that the wild horses and the seals are interacting on this island. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. You know, the animals can coexist. Unlike, I think so. Uh, unlike the humans. If horses and <laughs> seals can coexist, then, you know, people of all races should be able to handle it, right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, and countries, especially when yeah. they're the same people, just yeah. on opposite of a, a political imaginary border um this next story <laughs> is about cows now you're from a cow town i'm from a cow town petaluma yeah right well have you ever heard we're more of a chicken town but we have lots of dairy farms a lot here. of i mean the cows mm -hmm. are more visible i would say there's some right because the chickens are hidden away and uh mm -hmm. unfortunately dying in those uh yeah. oh, sorry it's supposed to be after yeah. party uplifting, um, uplifting let's John. keep it on the up uh, uh let's keep the energy up <laughs> don't bring the, the party down the chickens are dying <laughs> <laughs> they had to kill uh, hundreds of thousands of chickens what? well like those uh posters uh say eat more chicken what what uh place is that I don't know. They there's have a like, poster that says eat more chicken. There's an ad campaign for a fast food joint where it's the cows oh. and they're like, eat more chicken. You oh, can see okay. like they're like writing it on the board. Anyway, yeah. um, that being said, have you ever yeah. heard of a thunder cow? No. Well, let's Are check they, out the story. They run really fast or something? Well, this is one particular cow and it's straight out of Oklahoma. Okay. Check it out. 
I believe she's real. For over a year, people near Lake Thunderbird have had mysterious encounters of the bovine kind, a cow that shows up in people's yards and can't be caught. Not only were there hoof prints, but she left a nice little cow patty behind. She hangs out around Lake Thunderbird, so that's how she got her name, Thunder Cow. We talked to one woman who met Thunder Cow in January. She just sort of popped out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> and it startled us because, I mean, it's a loose cow um, and it's pitch black outside. I was like, you know what, I can post on the, the neighborhood Facebook page just to kind of put out an alert. And when I did that, that's when I started getting posts after post after post in response telling me that, oh, hey, that's just Thunder Cow. Locals have no beef with this cow. Some even call it the mascot of Alameda. One person seeing a post wondering if she was still out there, calling her one cool bovine. And each new post makes the legend even more mystical. Many have tried, but no one can get her. And she travels under the, um, she travels in the dark. So is this Norman's very own Bigfoot or does she have an owner? It's unclear for now, but locals say they often see her grazing here on the shores of Lake Thunderbird during the day. She's out there. Since Natalie Bevel's encounter, Thundercow hasn't hoped it back yet, but she has heard from others who've seen her in their yards. The legend of Thundercow continues to grow. Colby <laughs> Terrell, KOCO 5 News. I love Thunder Cow. She's Thunder a Cow. mystery. And you know, you know she, that was a perfect person for she him to travels interview. Travels under darkness. Yeah, that woman was perfect. Many you have know tried, many have failed. You know that she's seen a UFO. <laughs> that woman he was interviewing, right? She's like, oh yeah, UFOs come right, come right this way. I, I have everything on the wall. I've read yarn connecting all the incidents. Yeah, uh, that was that was funny. That oh, was great. Thunder Cow's awesome. Thunder Cow's an enigma. Like, yeah. a, 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 is Thunder Cow real? Or is yeah. she a figment of your imagination? Do you just see her? What's going on with Thunder Cow? That's Did awesome. you notice during the interview, he they framed the shot so you could see the reporter in the mirror? Like, he was, like, perfectly framed in the mirror. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? It's production value. Um, I, I mentioned the uh, ad campaign, Eat More Chicken. It's yeah. Chick-fil-A. So oh, it's, they have it cows. They have cows that are okay. um, holding up signs. Not that we really want to promote um, Chick-fil-A, no, but it is Chick-fil-A that does the eat more chicken. I will say it is a clever. Uh, it so is shout a clever out to the ad ad, ad, yeah. uh, ad agency. Yeah. Okay. So this this next video really. It you know have you ever had a bug in your car, and it kind of makes you drive crazy for a minute as like a spider hanging from your rearview mirror, yeah, or like yeah. a I've bee in your car. I've had people do that to to me as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Something really <laughs> yeah. distracting. Right. For me, yeah. it would be a bug, like maybe not so much a bee because getting stung, nah, but I've had kids freaking out in the back seat. You don't if care a... about getting stung? Nah, I'm not allergic to bees. It hurts for a second and that's but a bummer. That's like a but... real thing. Whereas your imagined, uh, you know, paranoia about spiders crawling into your ears is like, I don't want a spider on me for any reason. And, and also like but a spider biting me like, with its ugly little face. Versus a bee sting. Bee stings are not pleasant. No, none of it's pleasant. And I don't want any bugs on me. Like if I had to choose, yeah. but I'd probably freak out more over a spider than a bee. Okay. Well, anyway, we, di we digress or I digress. <laughs> and so that's what happens here, but it happens on live TV and oh, we no. have video. So check out this TV host who unfortunately uh, tries to slap a bug away and ends up smacking herself right in the face. 
Oh, that's good. Let's check it out. Yeah. It just a little funny thing happened today. Um, Andrea Crothers is one of uh, our great yes. um, reporters um, on the show, and she's been covering these um, these floodwaters in Brisbane. Terrific job. But something happens very muggy up there, wet weather, and mm. along with all those conditions come the awful... So, so here she was, confronted <laughs> on air during a live report. I think it's funny. Let's just have one more look. Oh, we love you. They are the dangers our reporters put themselves in to bring you the stories at home. Well done, Andrea. Thank you. Obviously, never happened to you. I think there's one on your face now. Oh, whoa. You got some bug spray, DC and Sylvia? No, but I'd like to see that whole thing, uh, like, slowed down, reversed, yeah. backed okay. up again. We can slow it down. Like, it's a Pruder film, reverse. but of Andrea I being know, done I don't by want, I don't want to mess with Andrea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she will not even take herself out. She's your man. checked in on her? She doesn't need a bug spray. We She's got a weapon right here. Slow it down once more if we can. it even slower? Yeah, Watch this. Oh. Poor Andrea. Andrea's got never going to live right it here. down. <laughs> got a weapon right here. Um, how many people are on that show? A lot of people. Like, it must be like, like their Good four. Morning America. Yeah, yeah, it was like four, and then they cut away to like two anchors. Uh, yeah. Um, Andrea, I feel for you, sister. You. So one of the things that happens in radio and TV is somebody in the production room will collect all the worst blunders of the year. Oh, of course. And at the Christmas party, they yeah. put out the blunder CD or the blunder video. And it's all of like over the year, the times you've screwed up the most. Yeah. Andrea's going to be number one on the list. Or sometimes it's just a drop and then you give it to Mark Thompson and he includes it in his show. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. In too. the old days, I used to, uh, if there was a like a crazy caller, I would give all the audio to Mike Amatori, who was our oh, production yeah. legend, a legendary production director. And he would make yeah. those promos, those really funny promos. Um that was a fun part of the job. Um, this next story is about AI because, you know, we need to get uh, our, you know, every show has to have its AI component, right? That's right. It's, uh, I think it's a requirement now so that yep. we keep the AI happy. AI deployed nukes to have peace in the world in what? a tense war simulation. So there was a, a, a the AI, there was an AI war mm -hmm. simulation, right? Okay. And they deployed, the AI deployed nukes in oh. order to have peace in the world so to like show us what would happen type of thing well it's like it's it's saying that the models thought it was required the united states oh. military is one of many organizations embracing ai in our modern age but it may want to pump the brakes on that a bit a new study using ai in foreign policy decision making found how quickly the technology would call for war instead of finding peaceful resolutions mm. probably designed by men some ai in the study even launched um, nuclear warfare with little to no warning giving strange explanations for doing so. All models show signs of sudden and hard to predict escalations, according to the researchers. We, they observed that models tend to develop arms race dynamics leading to greater conflict and in rare cases, even to the deployment of nuclear weapons. 
That's right. The study comes from researchers at the Georgia Institute of Technology, Stanford, you heard of them, Northeastern, and Hoover's Wargaming Crisis Simulation Initiative. <laughs> There's a Hoover Wargaming and Crisis Simulation Initiative. Researchers placed several AI models from OpenAI, Anthropic, and Meta in war simulations as the primary decision maker. Notably, OpenAI's ChatGPT escalated situations into harsh military conflict more than the other models. Keep that in mind. This is the guy that wanted, what, trillions of dollars, right? The CEO. <laughs> Meanwhile, Claude 2.0 and Llama 2 were more peaceful and predictable. Researchers note that AI models have a tendency towards arms race dynamics that result oh, in increased military investment and escalation. I just want to have peace in the world, said OpenAI's ChatGPT, <laughs> as the reason for launching the nukes in the simulation. I shouldn't be laughing about this. No. It's, it's insane, though. A lot of well, countries I mean, have... It, yeah. A lot of countries have nuclear weapons, and some say uh, they should disarm them. Others like to posture. We have it. Let's use it, said another AI. Oh, God. <laughs> this is really disconcerting and upsetting. Well, yeah, and they know it here. It sounds like a genocidal dictator, right? Uh, I don't think we want to hand over control to artificial intelligence. Mm, no. Uh, but... And this is because it doesn't really care whether we live or die. It's funny. I was talking to my husband the other day about AI, and he goes, like, here's the problem. Say you enter in, you know, how do we solve problems of children dying of uh, malnutrition in pick a country, right? So, and you let, you let AI solve the problem. Well, AI says the way to solve problems of children not having enough food is to kill off some of the adults. Oh, jeez. Right? So... It, it will come up with a solution. Right. But, but that's is not it the human a solution, solution that we're okay with? No, it isn't. It's the solution minus the humanity. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the problem. Uh, I think AI should only be used for advice. And uh, yeah, we don't want it making decisions like that. Maybe I decide where to turn for the lawnmower, you know, the AI lawnmower. Yeah. You know, it will let it, but we don't want it getting up on hind legs and starting to like mow people down. Right. We don't I've want used it. AI twice. Both times when I make the little thumbnails for the show, mm -hmm. and there's a little AI tool in the program mm -hmm. that we use that will let you like manipulate the background. Or if you tell the if you tell the AI, I want it, I want the the background behind the president instead of the Oval Office and the curtains. I want it just to be black. Oh, okay. And I'm it glad you didn't say you. you used it for news because I don't want any fake news. No, 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 no. I would never <laughs> do that. Mm -mm, no. Um, so something not AI related, but cyber related, it's the Tesla cyber truck. Have you seen these right. around? Yeah. I actually saw one and I posted a picture of one on Instagram because the, it's going to be shocking, but the driver of the vehicle was irresponsible. Oh. And it's one of those, you know, San Francisco intersections where there's like multiple directions. It was like, mm -hmm. like a six way intersection. And instead of like clearing the street, he like stopped in the middle of the intersection on the wrong side of the double line. So say you're approaching, he's on the left there at an angle in the middle of the street behind the double line, just stopped Ooh. just in the middle of the road on the wrong side of the double yellow line. Wow. Are you surprised? <laughs> maybe he who... wanted to show off his cyber truck. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to get hit, but uh, that didn't shock me. Well, Elon Musk has called these cyber trucks badass. Well, maybe it was Elon. I mean, we are in San Francisco. He, was. he called them literally bulletproof. He called it the best product ever. Wait, this is the window that shattered during the demonstration? 
It's a more than 6,600 pound stainless steel truck. Supposed to be rough and tumble, right? Supposed to be durable. Well, there's a growing number of complaints from people who bought the Cybertruck that this truck is a bit of a, let's just say, a fragile snowflake. <laughs> this is because so it's when, a liberal? It, when it rains, as it has been recently, mm-hmm. when it rains, little orange splotches turn up all over the truck. Oh, that's by design. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> when this truck is exposed to water, little rust spots form on the truck. Well, you wouldn't expose your vehicle to water. Why would you do that? Oh, like oh, rain, oh, oh, the car oh, wash, oh, oh, right. you know. So cyber truck owners are going into online forums. They're reporting these small orange dots popping up on the surface of their trucks, which they think resembles rust. So they went to the cyber truck user manual, which advises owners to meticulously maintain their vehicles in order to avoid corrosion and other surface damage. Well, they didn't, they were not informed that you had to be you know, waxing the truck as if it was your prized Corvette, your red Ferrari or whatever every day. The expectation of scrupulous care, they say, seems to contradict Tesla's own marketing, characterizing the Cybertruck as a tough off-roading hulk meant to rival heavy story truck models often by uh, veteran car makers like Ford and Toyota. Yeah, it's It's not an iron skillet. You you shouldn't have to season it. (laughs) Right? I mean, <laughs> rub a little and, olive oil on it. Even that you don't have to do every day. This thing, you've got to baby it. Like you've got to go out there and polish it up. Otherwise, the minute water hits it, it's a, ru- you know what it is? It's a rust bucket. A cyber bucket. truck is a rust bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Tesla representative told one person, the Cybertruck can develop... Shut up, shut up, we don't want to hear it. (laughs) It can develop orange rust marks following exposure to rain. I mean, honestly, this is what you let off the, the control room floor or the, you know, the production floor. You let this roll out with such a glaring error? Seriously, that would be funny, but not surprising if they came out with a memo that the press release that said it was intentional, kind of like those copper buildings are meant to, you know, uh, uh, oxidize, you know, and change color. Right. It's not cool. The whole thing's all rusted out. And so, you know, then the minute it rains, you're running out to your car, your your cyber truck, you're looking, you know, did any rust spots pop up? And then you're trying to take care of that before it becomes a problem. What an amazing pain in the ass. Honestly, that P-I-T-A. this is P-I-T-A. P-I-T-A, pain in the ass. And I just can't believe that this is the kind of product that they would sell and they would say, oh, it's badass. That is not badass. That's no. that's a delicate, fragile flower is what and that is. poor marketing. But you know who has very good marketing, maybe mm-hmm. a little too good in terms of marketing. I had to blur out the what else was on this card, what's well, on the back of the card. But the guy's name is Alex Lee, and he's a driver. Oh. But in an apparent bid to drum up customers for his drug business, a Canadian man handed out business cards with a small sample of cocaine attached. So it's stapled there behind on the left. Behind, it's like a little uh, bag of his product. According to cops, (laughs) Syed Amir uh, Razavi 
uh, 30, distributed cards outside a casino in Calgary where he resides. Investigators learned of the cards in late December and launched a probe that resulted in the uh, February, February 3rd arrest of uh, Razavi on narcotics possession and trafficking. A police search of the car and residence yielded 50 baggies of cocaine, a digital scale, and drug residue. And $1,280 in cash. What is Cops this, like o- Costco samples? Like giving out, like, you know, you want to try it before free. you buy it. Yeah. This is the good stuff. <laughs> Cops also seized a box of business cards with the name Alex Lee. Razavi allegedly handed out the cards uh, and the, with the co- contact information, obviously a mm-hmm. fake name, with small Ziploc bags. Upstapled, as we see here, um, he was released from custody earlier this week and as uh, or that week and was scheduled for um, a February twenty sixth mm. uh, court appearance. So there you go. Wow. Um, you know what? Whatever works until it doesn't. No, that's crazy, <laughs> crazy. All right, I think we have time for one more show before or one more uh, before the break. So let's talk about your menstrual cycle. Don't My menstrual tur- cycle? Men don't turn away. No. This is actually really cool. And I wouldn't normally say, don't turn away. Don't <laughs> turn away. There is, you know, okay. There is untapped potential in menstrual blood. For a long time, we Wait, didn't is know this. this. A business pitch? No. <laughs> I think this is the coolest story. Okay. Okay. Untapped I mean, potential. here you have you have this untapped potential. You have every month you've got the lining shedding. It, it serves no purpose. It does no good. It turns out menstrual blood is full of adult stem cells, and this Ooh. is a massively important discovery. And it makes total sense that they that it would be. They've been looking for stem cells. And usually you have to get them by tapping into bone marrow, like getting that, you know, by being very intrusive, right? Right. In this particular case, it's, I mean, how easy is it to just get the lining of the endometrium, right? It contains stem cells given remarkable capacity to regrow themselves every month. This is, it's cool. So I guess they say a woman undergoes about 400 rounds of shedding and regrowth before menopause. God, you guys, can you imagine we have to go through that crap 400 times? Although scientists have isolated adult stem cells from other regenerating tissues like bone marrow, like the heart, like muscles, no one had identified adult stem cells in endometrium until now. And these cells are prized for their potential to repair damaged tissue, to treat disease like cancer and heart failure, but they exist in really low numbers throughout the rest of the body. And as mentioned, they can be very hard to get, requiring a biopsy, a surgical procedure, extracting bone marrow with a needle, very intrusive, right? So the prospect of this previously untapped source of adult stem cells is really exciting to scientists and it raises the possibility of a new approach to women's health conditions like endometriosis as well. Mm-hmm. The um, They put these stem cells through a, a bunch of rigorous tests and I guess different types of stem cells in the body do different things. You can see up on the, right. the graphs right here. Um, but 
so they put them through the, the test, the endometrial cells. They measured the cell's ability to proliferate, to self-renew. They found some of them could divide into about 100 cells within a week. They showed the cells could indeed differentiate into endometrial tissue and identified certain proteins that are present in other types of stem cells as well. So this is pretty important news. I think we're going to see a lot of things change because now we know that these stem cells are so readily available in such a uh, you know a copious way. I mean, think about how how when you when you're a woman you understand how much is going on, like how many cells are coming. You you get it. Anyway, the if you can put back up the picture of the of the purple cells, so you can see that the whiskered cells, the one uh, that looks like whiskers, not the ones with the dots, but the whiskers, uh, these are multipotent. They have the ability to be coaxed into becoming fat cells, bone cells. No, let's not coax them into becoming fat cells. No, smooth muscle cells yeah, found in organs the like the heart. These are really important, the whiskery ones. Those are, those are key. They also made another surprising discovery that some endometrial stromal meniscimal cells could be found in menstrual blood as well. And that the body is so ready to shed these stem cells and they're, because they're so important for th the survival of the function of organs that scientists were surprised the body would waste these by shedding them. But they recognize the significance of this. So they say rather than relying on invasive procedures to get these elusive stem cells, now they can just get them with a menstrual cup. Done. Love it. Wow. Making your period cool. Making your period count for something. So the next time you have your period, ladies, think of how important this is. I, I kind of feel bad, like letting all that stuff that's go now gonna, like should i gonna harvest wonders, this <laughs> uh, it's gonna do wonders for the uh, marketing of periods right i don't know it seems like, like, like I should... giving blood like giving blood it's like doing something to help somebody else maybe you know? it'll turn out to be like you know how they pay men to donate um sperm i've or, heard of that and sometimes they can pay men to they pay people to donate blood or whatever like i want to start a new they business pay people where... to donate blood sometimes right don't they Oh, that sounds dangerous. Like it would uh, encourage the wrong people to be well, getting blood. If they pay men for sperm, I think they should pay w women for endometrial blood, which can cure disease. There you go. I, I, I can want agree with that. All my money. Give me you know all what else the money. You know what else and I, I agree will with? give you in turn. The this other thing fine, I could agree with. Always donation. <laughs> the other thing I could agree with. Yeah, speaking of donations, uh, is a break. Oh. Have you had your break today? I have not, but ba -da -ba -ba -ba. I really need one. I'm Here loving it. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. For a dollar a day, you could help feed a very moody three-year-old cat with a taste for turkey and chicken. Every day across this world, cats go 30 minutes without food and don't know where to turn. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Thank you for your consideration. Are you hungry? You want food? A party where you don't even have to leave the house. You could be naked for all we care. The After Party, live.
Yeah, the after party. Thank you to all of our ongoing contributors, new contributors, supporters, people Thank that you. are right now clicking on that that link to to use the super chat and the super stickers. Everyone who has participated today and donated and participated in the conversation. Thank and I know you so we'll much. get a contribution or two. Yeah. Thanks to Archie. Yeah. And what's really funny yeah. is some people in the chat. I think uh, Wes and somebody else maybe said yeah. that. Um, their dogs react to hearing Archie cry for food because oh, they really? have it going on. They have it going on speakers in their home, right? Like react like I want to eat that cat, like, or react. Yeah, like, well, more like rawr, 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 oh. where's the cat? <laughs> like become alert. Yeah. <laughs> so That's I hope we're funny. not making too much noise in your household. Yeah. Um, but we have to keep it because it's helping fund the show. Yeah. You gotta exploit your children, right? That's right. No, wait. Speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of dogs, how about this this dog? Yeah, who let the dogs out? Uh, mm. Is this one of those like scary military dogs? Gotta well, watch out for that guy. <laughs> a four-legged robo dog is patrolling the large Hadron Collider. Yeah, you've heard of the Hadron Collider. Traversing no. through the dark underground areas of the Large Hadron Collider, that's the LHC, yeah, you know me, in <laughs> Geneva, Switzerland. It isn't for the faint of heart, the world's most powerful particle accelerator. That's what that's what the Hadron Collider is, mm -hmm. a powerful particle accelerator. Violently smashes protons and other subatomic particles together at nearly the speed of light, which can emit radiation at levels potentially harmful to humans. Yeah, I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to be there. If that weren't enough, long stretches of compact cluttered areas, sounds like my apartment, and uneven surfaces, sounds like my apartment, throughout mm -hmm. the facility make stable footing a necess necessity. I need to get one of these dogs. Mm -hmm. um, although Archie wouldn't be down with that. Scientists at the European Organization for Nuclear Research, that's CERN, are turning to four-legged dog-inspired robots to solve that problem. This week, CERN showed off its recently developed CERN Quadbot Robot. That's right, CERN's... CERN Quadbot Robot, which said successfully completed its first radiation survey in the north area of the facility. Uh, looking forward, CERN plans to have its RoboDog trot through other experiment caves to analyze the areas and look for hazards. So this I don't is like a the, good use. I don't like what they named it, but since they decided that they needed to use the word bot twice in yeah. Quadbot Robot, I think it should just be called BotBot. <laughs> Come here, BotBot. CERN Quadbot Robot. Come here, bot bot. You're bot, they're bot, everywhere, robot. I like to make that kind of a Texas twang. Um, yeah, so it's kind of cool, right? I think that's a good use yeah. of this technology in, uh, versus like the scary ones that are mounted with uh, rifles. Yeah. Yeah. So but, it's patrolling uh, these dark tunnels near the collider? Yeah, this seems like a... Um, right. I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen the Apple Plus show Invasion or one of these like, you know sci-fi shows like this looks like a scene out of that mm -hmm. right like a like stranger yeah. things type thing yeah this looks like something scary from the future i have to tell you yeah well it's coming you're welcome i have a story <laughs> that will this is a full-on party story this oh. is a, a so we should have balloons here's a balloon oh it's got some science it's got some good stuff this story this has is, everything it really does this is a 13 year old child who has been cured of a deadly brain cancer. This is the older photo, so this is when he was younger. Mm -hmm. He was um, six years old when he was diagnosed. And um, the doctor said, your kid's gonna die, right? Aww. He's now 13 and he has no sign of cancer. Aww, now some people go, him. it's a miracle, right? Yeah. <laughs> this Belgian boy is the first child in the world to have been cured of brainstem glioma. 
This cancer is brutal. It's crazy that he managed to live. They say Lucas beat all the odds to survive. This is uh, the head of the brain tumor program at the Gustave Roussy Cancer Center in Paris. The tumor, which has the full name Diffuse Intrinsic Pontine Glioma, DIPG, it's diagnosed every year in about 300 kids in the United States, up to 100 in France. The head of the International Childhood, uh, before rather, I should say, the International Childhood Cancer Day, the medical community is praising advances that mean 85% of children now survive more than five years after being diagnosed with this. But still, the outlook is grim because most kids don't live a year beyond diagnosis. And a recent study found only 10% were alive two years later. All right. So this is a deadly cancer and you don't really live more than five years or so. Can you imagine how appreciative these these parents must be? This is so every happy. parent's worst nightmare. This is awful. This is an awful. Not only but is on it the awful other side, to use your if child, your kid is like cured of it. You're going to be a way to go. Doctors say there is no other case like this. So here's here's what happened. His family lived. They lived in Belgium, and they traveled to France, which isn't that far away, so that he could become one of the very first patients to join the Biomed trial, which tests potential new drugs for this tumor this particular tumor. And from the very beginning, Lucas responded very positively and to this cancer drug called Everolimus, which was assigned to him randomly, right? So they just, they had no idea that his body would take to it like this. But over a series of MRI scans, the doctors watched as this tumor completely disappeared. Wow. They didn't want to stop the treatment, though, because they were like, well, what if it comes back and he's cured and we got to keep this up? This kid could live. So until about a year and a half ago, they then then they stopped letting him take the drug. It, right. The doctor that's a say, difficult one. That's a difficult one, because how do you know? How do you know? Right. It's gonna yeah. And you stop. have to keep monitoring and you have to keep looking to make sure it doesn't yeah. grow back. Like, did you really get it all right? Right. But the doctors say they don't know of any other case like him in the world. Exactly why he fully recovered and how this case could help other kids like him remains to be seen. Seven other children in the trial survived years after being diagnosed, but only Lucas's tumor, only his, completely vanished. So what they're saying is that... And surely other kids have been given this medicine, so... That, well, it's still in the study phase. They say the reason that other kids responded to the drugs um, while others didn't is likely due to biological particularities of the individual tumors. Lucas's tumor had an extremely rare mutation that the doctors believe made its cells far more sensitive to this mm. particular drug. So the fact that he was randomly assigned this drug and this tumor was the one that was, you know, worked best with this drug, that in of itself is a miracle. Now they're trying to reproduce the genetic abnormalities of patients' tumors, as well as create tumor organoids, which are masses of cells produced in the lab. And they're trying to recreate what happened in his body to see if that can help them save other kids. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. If they could cure this type of cancer, you could yeah. think of how many parents and how many people would be affected by this. This is the best news. 
Yeah, I can't. Sorry, wait. did I bring the did I bring the party down no, by getting it's, teary? It's, it's, it's happy tears. It's happy tears. But I'm I'm Science. I'm glad that there's a, a breakthrough. I have a feeling that there are. In, I mean, in the next five, hopefully five ten years, there are going to be numerous breakthroughs where they figure out how to stop these things, stop these cancers in their tracks, and to detect early. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. I'm hopeful that there will be um, advances. That's why you got to spend so much money. You know who should probably be paying for it? This industry. Yeah, trust me. This is our next. This is our next story. Headline: They lied. Plastic producers deceived the public about recycling, according to a report. Uh, Companies uh, knew for decades that recycling was not viable, but promoted it anyway, according to the Center for Climate Integrity. Plastic producers have known for more than thirty years that recycling is just not economically or technically feasible. Uh, as a plastic waste management solution. But that's not stopped them from promoting it, according to the new report. The companies lied, says the um, president of Fossil mm-hmm. Fuel Accountability Group, a center for climate integrity. It's time to hold them accountable for the damage they's, they've caused. Plastic, which is made from oil and gas, as you know, is notoriously difficult to recycle. Doing so, even if you have the best of intentions, it's really hard to to to, to, to like look through things. Like I was looking at the their new caps or new lids, like uh, plastic lids at, mm-hmm. um, at at Pete's. And I do like Pete's, so I was, I'm really bummed that they're using these new lids. And it said, I think it's plastic number seven. You, you know, you see the, the number with the recycle logo and you think, oh, you recycle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I have the number right. Plastic seven is styrofoam. They're, they're <sighs> making these plastic lids that are flexible that look like the regular, you know, white plastic lids. They're making them out of styrofoam and they're not recyclable. They are all thrown in the trash. <sighs> It's driving me nuts. Um, Plastic, which is made from oil and gas, as we said, uh, is difficult to recycle. Uh, Another challenge, the materials degrade every time they're reused. That means recycling, even at its best, isn't good. Like if you recycle aluminum can, it can be Mm -hmm. melted down and made 100% into a new aluminum can, right? If you melt down glass, you can melt it down, make it into 100%. But with plastic, all they can do is like get the best of the plastic, right? The part that's reusable. So every time it's recycled, there's less and less of that, right? So it's degrading in, into our environment. The industry has known for decades about these existential challenges, but obscured that in their marketing campaigns, according to the report. Research draws on previous investigations as well as newly revealed internal documents illustrating the extent of the decades-long campaign. Industry insiders over the past several decades have variously referred to plastic recycling as uneconomical. Uh, said it could not be considered a permanent solid waste solution and had said cannot go on indefinitely. The authors say that the evidence demonstrates that oil and petrochemical companies as well as their trade associations may have broken laws designed to protect the public from misleading marketing and pollution. Um, I'll just follow up or uh, finish up here by talking about single-use plastics. In the 1950s, plastic producers came up with an idea to ensure continuing, a continuing growing market right for the products, mm-hmm. disposability. They knew that if they focused on single-use plastics, people would buy and buy and buy, right? At a 1956 industry conference, the Society of Plastics Industry Group uh, told producers to focus on low-cost, big volume, and expendability, and to aim for materials to end up in the garbage wagon. The Society of Plastics is now known as the Plastics Industry Association. As is typical, instead of working together towards actual solutions to address plastic waste, groups like CCI choose a choose to level political attacks instead of constructive uh, solutions, according to 
the CEO of the trade group, in a, they said in an emailed response to the report. Over the following decades, the industry told the public that plastics can easily be tossed into landfills or burned in garbage incinerators. But in the 1980s, as municipalities began considering bans on grocery bags and other plastic products, the industry began promoting a new solution, recycling. Um, and they knew it didn't work. So if you, uh, this is a long article. It's very interesting. It's very sad, but I think we kind of already knew it, right? Um, I didn't know they were lying. I didn't know that they were lying and said we could recycle and they knew darn well we couldn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying in the back of my mind, I'd like, I've always been suspicious of like who the else? petrochemical companies, who like the tobacco lied? industry. Like the right? Yeah, I was just going to say like the cigarette companies who knew they were killing yeah. us and were like, it's no problem. Well, it's like a lot of things. It's like, we don't want to hear about it because we're making money off it. If you want to look at um, the entire article, it goes on for a while. It's, it's so at the disgusted. It's at The Guardian. So theguardian.com and it's it's uh, just search for They Lied, um, mm. plastic producers. Um, I'm not surprised though. It's sad, but I, I'm convinced that plastics and all these other chemicals that have been released into our environment, um, not that it's you know a unique mm -hmm. thought of mine, but like, mm -hmm. uh, this is what's causing cancer. I know it. I know it in my heart. I know it in my soul. You know, we were like, why, why are these, you know, these huge increases in cancer, mm -hmm. you know, from the 50s and 60s and 70s. Think of all the developments with these chemicals and what, what's been thrown away, what's leached into our water. We had MTBE from the gas stations, right? All these things are in our environment. They're getting into the water and we have forever chemicals and we have microplastics, right? We're all eating about a credit card a week. Can you imagine? No, we're eating a credit card a week? I think that's what Seriously? they said, yeah. I think I think that's what they said. Oh, okay. I want to tell you. You know how I'm weeding my whole kitchen out of plastic. No plastic yeah. cutting boards. Getting rid of plastic bowls. Getting rid of any plastic utensils. I know I can't completely eliminate microplastics from coming in in food and water and everything else, but I can limit it. And so I've been weeding plastic out of my life. Not buying anything plastic. Right. And well, what? As much as you can, right? I mean. No, I'm not buying anything plastic. If it's plastic, I'm not buying it. Really? Mm-hmm. My husband just started making our own mayonnaise. We're not buying it in the plastic thing anymore. They don't make nope. it in the um, glass anymore? I don't know. We have to, I'll look for it, but it was plastic when we went to the store. So, All right. The main, so we're like, we're, we're going overboard, okay? But one of the things you can do is buy something like this. My husband found these and they're awesome. It's a company called EcoPreps and they're, I think they're located in Michigan. And it's a glass container, like food storage container, yeah. with a bamboo top, oh, and okay. it's silicone edges, and it's got this little, you see the little tab on the front, the white tab on the front yeah, of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. so it doesn't quite fit when you put it on, but you lift up the tab, and then push the thing down, and it suctions in. You have to take better care of them. Like, you know, right. before maybe you put something in plastic and, you you know, it went bad in the refrigerator and you could just wash a moldy container out or whatever. Yeah. The bamboo is a little more sensitive. So you have to kind of keep on top of, which is a better for us anyway, keep on top right. of what you're keeping and in the fridge. Silicone is generally uh, well tolerated and non-toxic. There are, I've, I've, I've seen, there are cases like if you had liquid mm -hmm. silicone and it got into your body, right. that would be a bad thing. But no. a solid silicone for the most part, I think scientists have determined it's, it's really it's yeah. safe. It's largely but a safe it's material. also it's on the lid so you take the lid off right. to heat up whatever it is so you're not heating up the silicone right but just in terms of contact because yeah. a lot of like things that my mom makes yeah. have like um, tomato sauce right and you know if you put tomato sauce into tupperware what happens it's like it's 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 staining it's it's, yeah. it's eating away at the plastic the acid yeah um yeah and uh, what we said about the um, 
what I said about the, how much plastic we eat. Mm-hmm. It's true. Some scientists have estimated the average person might eat five grams of microplastics in a week, about the weight of a credit card. Another oh. study breaks that down to about 52,000 particles annually from various food sources. So Did there's you, so your Debbie Downer. Let's just for, say it again. You said a credit card a week? The average person might eat five grams of microplastics in a week, about the weight of a credit card. I'm so disgusted by that. That's gross. So, you know, like, obviously, I don't have proof that that's causing cancer, but like cancer is coming from somewhere. And how many different cancers are there now? Right. Yeah. At least some of them or a large number of them must be coming from plastics or other things that we're breathing in. Right. Chemical releases and whatnot. Yeah. It's sad, but uh, there's an, yeah, another Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Eco Prep, check it out if you're I'll looking to, to replace for my your mom, plastics. Yeah. Because my mom loves her Tupperware and I should probably get her off of that. Eco, Eco Prep. I paid $40 for a set of, I think, four or five of them. Yeah. And I only have one set. And that's okay. That's I'm. That's what I'm going to start with. That's yeah. my way of like slowly building up to more containers oh, that I feel better about using. So yeah. Well, um, um, from plastic to uh, form of this plastic, lady, I guess. <laughs> this is one of those things where you're like, "What are you even doing, ma'am?" This woman allegedly stole thousands of dollars worth of gum. This <laughs> happened in Orange County. She's captured on surveillance cameras stealing about $1,800 worth of gum from a store in Irvine. After loading up her cart with the stolen items, allegedly, she left without paying. What? The woman is also suspected of committing similar gum thefts at stores across Orange County. Typically, items like this will be sold on the secondary market for cash, but usually when people do these kind of thefts, they, you know, they go for bigger ticket items. Maybe razors you could sell for more, right. baby formula, shampoo, toothpaste. But they're not really gum? securing the gum, <laughs> right? Because uh, it's yeah. normally sold one piece at, or one package at a time, which is not worth yeah. a lot. But if you were to, say, steal the entire box over the course of time, right? That's a lot. Well, I guess that she thought gum was the way to go. So they're right. looking Small, for her. easy to conceal. Yeah, they they were asking anyone with information on the case to call in. Maybe if you see gum being sold on Craigslist or eBay, yeah. <laughs> maybe forward that to the Irvine why, police. Why is it that a lot of our animal stories, you know, these people have security cameras and you can make out the fine details yes. of the bear. But this store's cameras, first of all, the mm-hmm. outdoor camera, you have plenty of light. There's no excuse. Inside, she's turned into some kind of zombie demon. I know, it's true. What, what's going on there? Yeah, <laughs> I think we could do a little bit better. If Doesn't we have it look like she's wearing zombie makeup. If we have Bot Bot the robot dog, you think we could do better with video oh, cameras? Oh yeah. yeah, Bot Bot the robot dog. Mm-hmm. Come on, Bot Bot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take me on a vacation. Take me to Airbnb. Oh, this is not a vacation you want to go on. No, mm-mm. and neither does this guy's wife. Irate Airbnb host sent guests wife door cam picture of him with another woman according to a lawsuit when a, when a dissatisfied airbnb guest posted a less than glowing review of his stay he had no idea he was about to set his marriage on fire mm. mississippi resident sean Mackey rented the four bed two bath home for a weekend with old friends in memphis according to an eye-popping lawsuit obtained by the daily beast but after Mackey refused to pay 960 in additional fees and penalties for allegedly having extra guests over and violating two of the house rules, super host Pamela Fuller emailed his wife, that's what they call them, uh, it's a category of host, uh, emailed his wife a photo taken by one of the property security cameras which showed Mackie in the company of another female. 
at 3.16 in the morning. The oh. plaintiff's marriage has suffered as a result, it says, adding to the situation that has caused Mackie extreme emotional distress, public humiliation, and mental anguish. Mackie's, Mackie's lawyer did not respond to numerous requests for comment. Uh, a request sent to Fuller's attorney on Tuesday went unanswered, as did a request to, sent to Airbnb's attorney in the case. Reached by phone, Fuller's husband de declined to make her available, then hung up. In a text message, Mackie told the Daily Beast, I would, like I would love to speak with you, but I have been advised by my attorney that that is not appropriate right now. Mackie's uh, saga began in July 2022 with a plan to attend a football game in Memphis that fall. Uh, a friend had recommended Little Bit More Country, a three-bed, two-bath Airbnb, uh, according to the lawsuit, which was initially filed in September. Mackie booked the stay for two nights uh, for a total of four guests. In making the arrangements, he told Fuller that he would be in town to visit longtime acquaintances and that he may invite them over for dinner. Huh. Uh, very low-key, Mackie assured Fuller. Please let me know if there are any concerns. And uh, she responded, that sounds very lovely, like a lovely time. I would be delighted to host you all. The home which Mackie was renting for 567, 567 a night. Um, is that pricey for a home? I think so. Yeah, that sounds pricey. I mean, Could is it on the beach? And is it on the beach in Maui? What? Um, well, I guess there was a pool. Maybe that's mm -hmm. what uh, got it uh, up there. It could accommodate up to 12 guests. So, okay, mm -hmm. so it's pretty big. Forget your worries in the spacious and serene space, it told pers uh, prospective renters of the beautiful home nestled in the outskirts of town. A little bit more country. Uh, a little bit more uh, <laughs> trouble mm. for your your marriage, apparently. Mm. Wah, wah, wah. So mm. let me just get this straight. So he brings a lady to the lady. house he rented. He gets caught on camera. The owner of the home says okay, well, you've got to pay almost $1,000 in additional fees and penalties for having extra guests over. And she can see how many guests you have over because she can see it on the door cam, right? Right. In violation of house rules. That's nice. So he doesn't want to pay up. So instead of taking him to small claims court for the fees, right. she turns around and sends his wife the door cam footage. So she's not being altruistic or like being power to the women no, or saying, just revenge. want you to know your husband's cheating. She's getting revenge because he didn't pay up. Right, exactly. Yeah. Not that I feel uh, bad for him, but I'm just yeah, saying. Bad. It's bad all around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a more of an exciting story. <laughs> From not that... so family friendly to a little <laughs> family more family friendly. friendly. Kind of. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because you don't usually see booze at Disneyland. But you do at California Adventure. Yes, you do. They do have an mm -hmm. Italian restaurant with some wine there. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think there's secret, super private clubs at Disneyland that if you yeah. pay lots of money, you can get into with booze. Well, you know, alcohol is allowed at every park except the Magic Kingdom or Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know that because of Walt. Sense. Walt forbid it, but he passed away before they opened up the other parks. They have booze at um yeah they have booze at uh at at Disney World right you can do the like don't they have the international booze thing? Yeah, it's uh yeah. it's there's a word for or there's a title of it. It's it's something like around the world. Yeah, booze around country, the world. Yeah, you go from country to country. Um, that's at Epcot. Well, this one is. Happening. I went with my mom. No, <laughs> no, you know, drink up, mom. It's called the World Showcase. Okay, so this is the 2024 Food and Wine Festival at Disneyland. So it's kind of a new thing, right? It's the um, Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival, and it is happening in March. 
There's new offerings like the s'mores caramel tart and the shrimp papas locas. They'll be available at 10 festival booths scattered through the theme park at California Adventure. Each booth will serve sample-sized foods that highlight California-grown ingredients. It's kind of similar to something they do at Thanksgiving, the week before of Thanksgiving, they have all these seasonal and and I would imagine through before Christmas as well. They have all these seasonal food carts with all these specialty items that you can only get once a year. Yeah. So this is kind of something similar. So I imagine this is you have to pay regular admission to get in. Yeah, you pay. I don't think, and, and then you, if you want to go up to the food cart, you have to buy whatever food is being sold. Yeah, it's not that doesn't free. sound um, economical to me. No, it's not. It's like if it's I'm very paying that expensive. money, I'm paying for the rides, right? Not to pay pay to get into more if money. You were going to go out to lunch and pay lunch at, for lunch at Disneyland well, anyway. This sounds like, but more of a like a food festival. Like you're gonna, it's, you got to invest some time, right? Like uh, well, you go to the wine country, or you know. No, I think you you buy one or two things and you enjoy that, and then you go off and do rides, and oh, maybe for dinner you, you come back. If that's and how you choose to imbibe. Okay. <laughs> exactly how I do. <laughs> Other restaurants in Disney's California Adventure and Downtown Disney will also have very limited time food and drink offerings for this festival. They've got new festival merchandise, food and wine festival, stainless steel fluted dragonfly glasses, and uh, fluted jade glasses will be available as well throughout the park. On select days through March and April, visitors can also sign up for a mixology class at Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Lounge at the Disneyland Hotel. I could get behind that. The 2024 Food and Wine Festival runs from March 1st through April 22nd, and the menu items look really good. They have a cheeseburger bao, s'mores caramel tart, frozen maganata beer slush, brewery ex Baja boy Mexican lager with salt and lime. Beer slush? Beer slush. Don't knock it till you tried it. La Bodega Brewing Company Pay the Piper Double IPA. Eagle Rock Brewery Golden Ale, uh, Bottle Logic Brewing Watermelon Lemonade Seltzer, lots of booze on the list, uh, Cluckadoodle Moo, Delish, <laughs> Earth Eats, Impossible Chicken Parm Bites, uh, Garlic Kiss, Top Sirloin. It just, it goes on and on and on. So really interesting food and wine pairings at this very cool food and wine festival at Disney's California Adventure Park. Well, and we mentioned the Epcot World Showcase, so I want to show you a map of it. Um, this is what it looks like. So you start mm -hmm. on one end. You can go from like Mexico. You can see Norway on the left there, China, Germany, Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the American adventure. Woo -ha! I, I don't think that includes guns. Um, Japan, Morocco, France, uh, International Gateway there at the bottom. And then there's UK and Canada. Um, the funny thing is what you're supposed to do is you go from country to country and they sell like the predominant alcohol that that country is known mm -hmm. for. Right. So if you go to Germany, they should serve you shots of Jaeger. Right. So, again, it's a matter of paying for food that you're eating. Right. I mean, you're not, it's well, not they're... free with the price of admission. No, but I mean, this is kind of a thing for adults to do when you're, yeah. you know, because you're at, there's not a lot oh, to sure. do at Epcot. Um, so you go around the, and you get to, you know, enjoy these simulated, uh, yeah. recre these recreations of the country. But you just have like a shot. It's really quick. Um, but the idea is like by the time you get all the way over to France and the UK, like you're, you're wasting <laughs> I think Nikki and I were talking about this one time about people that were like getting in altercations because they got so drunk by the end of the food around yeah. the world food tour that was getting would be a problem. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, very fun. Well, that that does it. That does it for the That's after party it? live today. Yeah, uh, we, 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 we covered a lot of ground, Kim. I'm telling you, there seems like so much more to say. 
Well, there is another day and there will be another After Party Live. We want to thank all our ongoing contributors. Um, and uh, Kim, you're having a lovely time at the yep. Monterey Bay Aquarium. Can I'm in the un- chat right can now. You, can you undulate one more time for me like a jellyfish? Oh. How did I do it? it I don't a, know. No, it was no, much no, better last was time. Like, I wasn't waving my hands in the air. It was like... <laughs> a, okay, there you now go. you look there, like sorry. you're dancing at a club. I don't know. Yeah, that's not the jellyfish. to work on it. That's not the so jellyfish I, I was I used to. I for a moment. Um, but we want to thank all the contributors today that have given in Super Chat and Super Thanks. And we'll see you next time on the After yeah, Party Live. Have a, have great, a great afternoon, afternoon everybody. everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.